You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to the Afterlaft. I have uh, an old kind of acquaintance from uh, New York. Not you're not old, you're young, but <laughs> from New York. Um, your last name is pronounced Mayor or Mar? Mayor, yeah. Mayor, I knew that. Okay, knew of it. course I knew that. Chrissy Mayor. Hi, Bill. This is great. Yeah, welcome to LA. When did you get here? I got here yesterday at like one o'clock, and then you know I got my hair dyed again, and uh, I did a spot, and then today I did. This is my third podcast. Oh, really? And then I'm doing a spot. Yeah, so it's been like really busy so far, which is good. So you told me something which is very funny. Your hair person. Moved yes. To LA. Yes, my hair person from New York moved to LA just a couple months ago, and I knew this like maybe three months ago, like in December. So I was like, "Oh, I'm going to be out there then." You know what? Like, let me just let me go support you and like uh, <laughs> follow you wherever you go. And she's right on Melrose at the uh, Planet Salon or whatever. But now you're addicted to your hair person, and what are you going to do when yeah, you get back to New York? That shows you like the links I'll go and how fucking loyal I am. I'm literally like a ride or die. <laughs> your <laughs> hair does look great. Thank you, thank you. You know, <laughs> I'm not a real ginger, so I have to just you know dye it up. Now we know each other from New York. I don't exactly know where we know each other from, but I think we did shows at Gotham and maybe yeah. The Stand and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's always see about you right. around. Um, I do feel, and I might be wrong in saying this, I do feel that you've kind of uh, come into your own in a lot of ways. Because thank you. Well, I guess what I mean is I feel like your stand-up and your online presence has been a lot more like, I'm a woman, I'm a sexual woman, let's talk about this shit. Yeah, you know I'm like mean? trying to like really work hard. Jesus Christ. God damn it. God damn it. Who's calling? It's me. Um, it's nobody. nobody it's nobody. Um, okay. Just so, a um, lover. I'm going to turn that off. So... Uh, <laughs> Is that, is that something that have you now as as a comic has that been a journey that you're conscious of or is that something that you kind of like Yeah, I think I really made an effort in the last like just couple handful of years. I was like I need to just like t- t- turn everything up pretty much and it's it's weird to say this but like my mom died like a year and a half. Well god, this summer will be 2 years and I feel like as sad as that was and is, I feel like it just left a lot of space for you to be the person that you really literally yeah what flowed in was everything i've wanted to do for myself and i've made like several clicks up in my career just in the last like year and a half because i've just been like so focused and it's almost like i have this so much headspace yeah cleared out and i'm like oh well now i can think about what i want because like everyone in my family has kind of like moved away i'm the only one left in new york so i'm just like what do i want to do oh yeah i guess i can do that now i don't have to worry about everybody else that's fascinating because something that i've always thought about i have talked to many comics about this is having parents that are alive and that you're in contact with does sort of mitigate what you post on social media oh yeah for sure Absolutely. on Facebook like I have so much yeah. shit that I'm like I'm never gonna put on when Facebook when my mom was alive she would not only read everything and then ask questions yes. she would start friending people I would post about <laughs> she just would friend random comics I'm like mom what are you doing you're not gonna ever see these people yeah like, when you start talking about stuff in like a sexual nature as a comic were your parents did they have opinion did your mom have an opinion about that was there like a thing yeah I mean they definitely came to a bunch of shows before they moved out to Florida and like there was a time where I was like ugh sure goes I guess you know because it's like if I hamper myself on stage if I like dilute 
whatever my jokes are, like it's, I'm going to be less funny. So of it's course. like, well, I can't really fuck the crowd over. So I guess mom and dad are just going to have to deal with this. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I, don't, I don't know that they process it as like the real me. They're just like, it's an act. It's a persona. I don't know. It's they never, take it personally. But they've never, like no one they know has, has been an artist. Like they, they just like can't comprehend that this, they still think it's like a little cute little hobby. Yes, of that, course. That I would do. And they, like, you know, never really asked me questions about it. Like they just, I don't know. They don't really, I mean, wait, well, my dad's alive, but he never really like cared to ask questions about it. He's just like, as long as you have health insurance, whatever, you know. <laughs> You're like, I definitely don't have health insurance, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know what? He's a German immigrant. I'm going to like cut him some slack. He just doesn't know anybody who's like pursued what they love. Yeah. You know? So I can't expect him to get it. And where are you from originally? Uh, Long Island. Long Island. Yeah. I didn't hear the, the the hanging G. Well, that's because I've really worked hard to get rid of my shitty Long Island accent because I thought I wanted to be a news reporter when I was in really? college. So I like, yeah, I interned at Dateline and I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to report the news. And then I was like, oh, this is so boring and I'm probably going to have to move out to like an irrelevant place like Alaska or something <laughs> and then slowly work my way back. So. Yeah, I interned at Dateline, and then the next semester I interned at Conan, and that's when I was so like- So semester you were in college oh, at this point? Oh, comedy, yeah. Where were you in college? I was at Fairfield U, which is in Connecticut, so I was able to yeah. commute into the city pretty easily. And so you went from Dateline, and then how did Conan come up? You were just like, this is, maybe I'll try it. Yeah, I was like, news is kind of bullshit and boring, and, and I don't know I had, how I had this much motivation as like a college junior, but I reached out to the only female writer at Conan at the time, Allison Silverman, and uh-huh. who I think still- might work for Conan and like somehow I was able to get myself an internship for the next year. Yeah. And I think the highly coveted spots are over the summer because that's when the kids of, of the dudes and chicks who work there, like they swoop in, they could be the biggest idiots, but they, they get hooked up because they're, you know, their moms and dads work there. The Harvard Lampoon people come in. Yeah. 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 But during the school year, it's kind of like it was limited to whoever's nearby, you know, whoever goes to a college that's like commutable. So I really lucked out with that. And then I would talk to the writers and, and they were like improv, improv, improv. I was like, okay. So then I just did that right out of college. So you started doing improv first. Yeah. Yeah. I started at the, you know, UCB, oh. all the classes, a team, Magnet Theater, all the classes, a So team. that was your first thing. Like, I'm going to be an improv, I'm going to be an yeah. That was a thing. I think so. I had like a lot of different colored sneakers and, <laughs> and shirts, you know, like that was my thing. I was like, I'd be like sitting on the floor watching ASCAT and just like obsessed and just spending a shit ton of money on fucking classes and just like it's hemorrhaging like money. Arts. Scientology, yeah. right? You're just like yes. going the fucking ranks. I was like, why am I hooked up to this machine? <laughs> <laughs> I'm clear now. Level yeah. five. You know, you just got to like tell us all your sins. So did you have a moment where you were doing the improv where you're like, maybe this isn't for me? Are you still yeah. doing the improv? No. No. Ugh, I make fun of it every chance I get. <laughs> I felt like I hit a, a ceiling. I hate saying like ceiling. I feel like I hit a wall on how on my progress there. I, I was like, you know, I'd be in the last class or whatever. I'd do like... A team for a little bit but I wasn't I wasn't being like selected to go into the next group of you know higher yes. ups and I, I would kind of notice I'm like oh I'm not really fucking any of my teachers I'm not you know like I t- it's just so weird I'm not really like I'm I'm just as good as the people that are like pushing through but it just wasn't happening and I was like well maybe my style is a little bit off I don't yeah. know so then I went to the magnet thinking like all right the magnet 
The Magnet Theater is another improv theater okay, in the city, that. and it's like slightly different style. It's more like, I felt more like an actor there, whereas at UCB, it's like they have their very particular like brand of improv, and, yes. and like, you know, everyone's there like fucking sucking everybody's dick trying to get on SNL. Because, yeah, so, UCB is basically a career path. It's like cutthroat, and, and it's like, eh, it's a very particular style. So, but you're just, you get in that world and you just get obsessed. It's like, sure. you, it's the only thing that matters. Do you feel like that's a more competitive world than stand up comedy? Or is this a different type of competition? Um, it's interesting. I um, yeah, it's a great I felt skill, I felt like left have. behind. Yeah, great. All the skills are like transferable. Like it's helped me a lot with my crowd work and like yeah. stay on my toes. Yeah, it's definitely competitive in a different way. But I I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like I could do great, but I'm only going to be as funny as the least funny person on my team. Yeah, and so like, you still got to pay for a coach and a space. And it's like. And then I was like, you know what? Stand up seemed really scary to me at the time, but I was like, it just seems like you're so much more like autonomous. It's like mm-hmm. if you do great, it's like you get all the glory, and if you bomb, obviously, you know. There's something nice about it. Sucks. You only bad. have yourself to blame when you're not succeeding in stand up yeah. comedy. I suppose oh, this fucking hack on my team is ruining everything. Improv, it's so easy to coast. Like you, just, you have one practice a week and one show a week, maybe. That's if you're busy. Yeah, and you're not getting paid for it. You're improv. never gonna get paid. The only people who ever get paid to do improv are TJ and Dave. And like, I think once I realized that, I was like, yeah, there's no like real future. And I'm not, I'm not like, I didn't feel like I was coming into my own. I wasn't feel like I was like reaching peak Chrissiness. You know, I was like, these people aren't <laughs> getting me. I don't even know what that is yet. But it's like I don't feel. It didn't feel like a good fit, so then I did this one-woman show, and then I started doing stand-up. Oh, wait, stand-up. you did one-woman show? Yeah, it ran for six weeks at the Magnet Theater. It was called that's, Hope. That's, <laughs> by the way, I think that is amazing. I always think that one a one-person show is sort of a great foray to show people who you are, where you can be a stand Like, I mean, look at Berbiglia and Sarah yeah. Silverman. There's a lot of people who... A one-person show is what really catapulted them mm-hmm. into. Not that everything has to be about making it, but at the same time, like <laughs> making it. <laughs> it's a great. What made you want to do a one-person show? Like, how did that? God, how did that I come? I think about? I wanted a big challenge. Like, I uh, I think I was kind of a bit over improv, and I wanted to do something bigger. I wanted to like test myself, like my limits or whatever. And I was oh, it was the most work I had ever done. Like, I really was like. So how how does one go about starting one-person show? So you 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 write a script, or did you have someone help you write a script? I was. Uh, I had a lot of characters in mind, like yeah. um, you know, my, one of my college roommates, um, like a couple of friends of mine. I was just kind of like I was inspired by these unstable women in my life. Yeah. So I was like, ooh, I could like. It was very messy, and then I had to, I had like two different directors that working with and really like helping me rewrite and practice and rehearse. Because you have to nuts. craft an arc with in yeah. the middle of all these characters. It was you so have to much story. harder than I thought it was going to yeah. be. Yeah, it was nuts. I mean, and this was like maybe ten years ago that I did that. So, so. You, you did the one, and it ran for six weeks. So it must yeah, have well, yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, like it was long enough. I mean, like, and then I was like, I guess I'm going to do stand up now. So from the one person show, you're like you realized that you had a calling for stand up. I was like, okay, I just did a half hour on stage. I could definitely do five shitty minutes, you know, because <laughs> I'd watch a lot of bad stand up. I'd be like, I think I could do that. Yeah. yeah. And do you remember your first show for uh, stand up? I think it was at Comics. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh wow, Comics on Fourteenth Street. Yes. So it must have been like the last R.I.P. year of Comics. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. T- comics been- was a very popular. Uh, it was a really cool. It was club cool. In New York. It felt dark and. Modern yeah. and and had great headliners yeah. and it felt like a club that was sort of a, a classy kind it of was classy. Club. God, I think it was actually like maybe ten years ago this month. 
Yeah. Yeah, because I think it was like February or March of 2010, which is wild. And then I would do like this these bringers at New York Comedy Club. And they uh-huh. were good. I got like some good tapes and then, you know, festivals and yeah. more shit. And I didn't, I now realize like it's, it was kind of a scary thing. Like to just, you straight up start doing stand up in New York City. Like most people, they, they get okay somewhere else and then they come here. But it's like, I'm just like fucking bombing all over the place, you know? <laughs> just like, yeah, you got to bomb. It, figuring it out. Yeah, yeah. No, you ha- yeah I, I feel like a lot of comics, I think one of the, the things I got kind of set me back early on was I got really addicted to like killing, right? Yeah. And like you got to kill and that was something you, you get in your head. Kill, man. And then you're And then you're killing, you're like, well, I'm killing on shit that maybe isn't the best shit I should, you know what I mean? You're not like stretching I'm not killing yourself. talking about like my mom and my parents, and my family, and my relationship. I'm killing doing like easy race jokes and then you kind of <laughs> then you kind of feel bad about that and then like years later you go back and you do one of the same jokes and it kills again you're like god damn it almost like the, <laughs> there's some jokes you do for them and then there's some jokes like you do for you or there's yes. some jokes you do for this like part of the country or whatever you know yeah. this particular crowd yeah and what was your journey like for that where did you start off like was it all personal stuff because you had had the one person show yeah uh, it's weird because like the one person show d- didn't feel by the time these characters were fully fleshed out, they they were so much more than like just the little nugget of like what how I remembered them. Like everything was like exaggerated and bigger and yeah, almost like cartoonish. So it felt like okay, wow, I'm like an actor, and this is, feels like very theatrical and like a lot of fucking rehearsing. And <laughs> we would rehearse in the drama bookshop in New York City, which oh, is like yeah. tiny, tiny space, the famous drama bookshop. But yeah. So, but so like so much history, you know, a lot of theater people. Improv is full of theater people, and stand up is full of just like degenerates <laughs> and and like addicts and like real people, though. Yeah, I always find part of the reason I started in this podcast because a lot of people get into stand up is such interesting and bizarre way some people were like well i wanted to kill myself in 2012 and <laughs> this happened and my parents died people are like i was assaulted here wow. it's crazy people come into it from such different directions and some people can really like craft an amazing career out of like total disaster yeah that's that's the best <laughs> that's like you want to do something positive with it right yeah I, yeah i guess i started by talking about like yeah i'm not big into like politics not super big into like you know current events although if i'm on like a project or a show where i have to write for that like obviously i'll i'll i'm up for the challenge and i'll write topical stuff but like yeah just like stuff for my life i feel like this sounds so generalized to just say like oh like being a woman or like but (laughs) not in a shitty like talking about my vagina and tampons kind of way just like i talk about like guys i've dated or maybe double standards or like um like the lengths I go to like make myself hot, you know, I could do 15 minutes just on waxing. Like I'm, I'm constantly <laughs> adding to that bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Stuff about my parents, stuff about my siblings, but like I, I love crowd work. So it's like the best sets are like a perfect, like weaving of crowd of work two, yeah. and material. And then it's like, if you do it in this way, that seems like almost entirely yeah. improvised and then the crowd exactly. feels like special and it's like, like, yeah. yeah, you like cater this to us. Which I think is that's cool. one of the, the the biggest magic tricks in comedy when people can do crowd work and material and kind of blend them together in a way. Because a lot of times, and I and I see this with myself, I'll do crowd work and then I'll start material. I'm like, now it's a different show, mm-hmm. which feels wrong. <laughs> so it's better when it can seem like everything that's being brought up is sort of organic and you can. But that's also kind of the magic of comedy. I also have been talking yeah. a lot about the fact that like. Now, if you just want to see jokes or hear jokes, you can just get on your phone or go on home. And yeah, so a live so show has a different responsibility, I yeah. feel. It's magical. 
Like you're never gonna get that from looking at your phone, and you're and you're also like we're so like just dead to our phones. Like we're just like scrolling this screen time shit on my phone. It's like <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like 14 it. Fourteen hours and fifty three minutes. Like it. It's like don't tell me that I have too much screen time. It's like look, I spend a lot of time like promoting my shit. It's like that's yeah. my job on Fuck there. Fuck your that's phone. It's like, my life. It's like don't, it's like you know what? why don't you tell me how many hours I've not been on my phone? That's what I'd be interested yeah. to see. Like like just be like you today you spent uh, nineteen hours not on your phone. Good for you. You know. <laughs> You slept. Now, when was the uh, first foray into podcasting for you? I no, I, I no, think now, like let's back up for a yeah. bit. So you, because you have a you do a radio show. And yeah, a on Compound Media. On Compound Media. I started in July, um, but a, I think a year ago. So last summer. Uh-huh. Yeah, it must have been last summer. I started doing characters on uh, Aaron Berg and Gina Bisconti's uh-huh. show called yeah. In Hot Water. And they're Great like, show. it's fucking wild. It's like a zoo. But I again, I'm very inspired by unstable women. So like you read in the news like, oh, a woman dies because she's trapped in a clothing donation bin. And I'm like, oh, I would love to be that lady had she survived. <laughs> and, and like she's giving out tips like how to make it, yeah. you know, when you're in this bin. Because it's like you got to stay in there because it's warm. It's full of clothes. You yeah. know, no one's going to bother you. So it's like, let me get into like who that person is because like I definitely get it and then or um you know like I did an impression of like Greta Thunberg or whatever that like 15 year old um you know environmental activist also very unstable you know do you think she is unstable I think I think she's going to be very unstable (laughs) I think right now she's just like a very like mutable like she's a kid still and I think like she's like a puppet for her parents or I don't know. There's Does like, she have Asperger's? There's or no, autism? yeah. She's got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. I think, um, I think she's just being manipulated. Like no 15 year old is like passionate about the environment. Like unless they're coached. No. Do you feel like what did you care about when you were 15? Right. I like mean, maybe I, trying to finger a girl. Maybe literally 15. You know? Yeah. This may be TMI, but I was still like figuring out which hand to jerk off with. I'm not yeah, even that's what she should be doing. She should be. No, I mean, I didn't even try to masturbate until I was 20, which is way too late. Um, not because I was concerned with the environment, but because I was just working on my blowjob skills. Because that's what you do as a 14 year old. You're like, what? Yes, I was. I where, wasn't. Wait. Yeah. You grew up in where? Again? Long Island, the oh, main streets yeah. of Rockwell okay. Center. You yeah. were getting blowjobs at 14? Not because I wanted to, but because that's what was happening, Bill. Sometimes you get a hand on the back of your head and you go, look, I guess I'm learning a new skill today. Here we go. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. You never I... pushed a girl's head down? You, you know, don't so... seem like a head pusher, but <laughs> I'm you I'm know... not much. I have a joke about head pushing, which, which I'm on the fence about. And the joke is basically like, hey, Trump said make America great again. I don't know what he means by that. I think there were times when America was better. When you were with a woman and you were intimate and you could push your head a little bit, mm-hmm. not a lot. I don't mean like, but like a gentle nudge. Remember, you could nudge. Yeah. And I feel like that's a horrifying joke, but it's funny to me, so I keep doing it. As long I don't as know. people are laughing, it's... Don't, exactly. Yeah, don't and, judge it. And once you make something completely ridiculous and you keep making it ridiculous, people go, okay, it's ridiculous. I can laugh at it. Um, now, so you're you're a pretty edgy comic, I would say. Oh, thank you. You've grown you. into being an edgy comic, right? I think so. Yeah. I think uh, it was like over the years of being like, okay, I'm definitely not like fitting into this like woke. There seems to be like, there's club in New York City, there's like club comics, there's like Alt woke comics. woke Brooklyn comics who aren't working. But they're just like very loud, uh, and then there's like road road dogs, yeah, and like a little bit of in between. And I was like, okay, I don't, I don't feel like my tribe are are like these like woke people because I like they generally just take themselves too seriously, and it's like none of them are cracking me up. And I just mm-hmm. sort of like was like, who am I laughing at? And I felt like I would do these characters on In Hot Water, and I'd be like, yeah, that's Compound Media, like. 
a lot of people have like shitty things to say about them. They think it's like a it's like a right wing network. It's not. Isn't that you know, crazy? It just was like this is fun, and I feel like I align with these goofy people, and I would do more and more characters. And then like I, I saw a need. I was like, there's no female run shows on this yeah. network, and there's no like soft topics like fluffy topics. I'm like, yes, yeah. so I pitched this like sex, love, dating, relationship advice show, and I wanted it to feel like Loveline and also The View, uh-huh. um, but no, with, with a little no, bit like HBO Real Sex maybe with no too? medical training for anybody you know it's, yeah it's just like <laughs> comics and porn stars and yeah. and like we'll so get that was a show that you you came so it's called wet spot right yeah or wet spot i mean the, the full spot. name is chrissy mayer's wet spot but for me to go around saying that it's like <laughs> you know it just feels like i'm being too forward so that was a show after you working with aaron and uh and uh, gino yeah you pitched this idea pitched it like last may last may and, and then, they were like yeah let's do it yeah. And so how's, so how's that been going on? I, I, I see Pose. It's I watch been clips. Great. It's great. It's wild to me because I did a show at the Stonewall Inn, a produced bar show, which is a national landmark in the city. I did Stonewall sh- Inn, if you yeah. guys don't know, that's where the gay rights uh, activism kind of yeah. started in New so York City. So the movement started, and I was like, really, uh, it was really important to me to book like a really good LGBT lineup. I thought, here, I'm doing a good thing. I'm providing like a good space. It was like, it was like the longest running LGBT show in the city at the time. But I, looking back, I got like, jack shit from doing that show like nobody ever was like oh host this thing at pride or do this i got zero opportunities from that zero people coming to like you know zero like kind of like fans do you know what i mean because it's all tourists it's stonewall's gonna fill up kind of it's great foot traffic i always had a full room i knew how to market the show but i started doing compound media in a couple of months I got a ton more fans, people yeah. coming to shows, like people watch the show and then they show up to stand up comedy. They're like, they're the best fucking fans because they love live comedy. They love to support the yeah. performers and the hosts on the show. It's and now like they feel amazing. like they know you, like they have a personal connection. They're like the best fucking people, you know, yeah. and they'll like, they'll defend you on Twitter if someone's like coming after you and, um, yeah, so I was saying, yeah, as, a, as a, as a woman who is sort of aligned with this kind of, uh, this genre of comedy for lack of a better word. Is there a lot of like pushback from the woke skull? Is there a lot of pushback from women? Or like, how dare you I, be a woman? In the not really, because I just feel like I'm on a different island. I feel like I'm on a different, like, it's a different group completely. Like, I don't, I'm not really, I'm doing like less and less shows in Brooklyn, thank God, because it's like, ugh. Uh, it just takes a while to get out there. And uh, they're <laughs> like mostly not paid. So it's like, I'm fine. Uh, it's weird. It's like the. It's almost like the longer, even as you get older as an adult, you kind of like find your friend tribe. And I think at comedy, if you're evolving, like as you move along, you're gonna find your like comedy tribe, like the yeah. people who I feel like get you. And I feel like compound media people, like gas digital people, mm-hmm. um, Skankfest, that Skankfest. crew, Skankfest. Yeah, I feel, you know, just degenerates in general. People who aren't afraid to like <laughs> to just like. Like prioritizing funny over everything else, and yes. once you get a comic who's who's fu- where funny is not the number one priority, it's like, well, then you're kind of getting something else, you know? Like yeah. you're getting like the uh, slash activist a lot, which it's like I don't. Yeah. Do you ever feel a conflict with that in, in any way? Has it ever come up? Maybe not now, but back earlier, where you were like, I don't know if this is like. I got in a lot of shit. Like last October, I did an impression of a of like kind of like a wokey comic girl who who went on to a show on compound media and I like kind of like made fun of her like did her as a character 
And uh, because that footage is like behind a paywall, like the fans loved the bit because I had yeah. this wig and I was just like pretended to be like offended by everything, whatever. Uh, it was actually like Gino Biscani. Her name was Kate Willett. She like walked off a show. I think she had like a 15 minute Netflix special. Um, so she like walked off this show because B- Gino Bisconti said something. He's he's inflammatory. He just like he just likes to push people. He's he does. just like I love Gino, he's, yes. he's like a ballsy dude. And so I just came in like the next day or ne- next two days, like just being her. The fans loved it. They're like cracking up. They would take screenshots and be like, "Oh, Chrissy Mayer as Kate Will." It's so so funny. But they would put it online, and then like oh. her and her tribe thought that I was like encouraging people to like threaten her. Like oh, I guess like the combat media fans were like hey you're kind of a, like a stick in the mud you know like what's what's your deal and I think she just like she, I think she absolutely like took the me too movement and like used it to her advantage like I'm a victim I'm being I'm being getting bullied. I'm getting rape threats and you're you're like encouraging them I'm like yeah no and that's the thing is like nobody saw the fucking impression because they're just seeing a screenshot but they see me in a wig or me in a costume and they just like I feel like she and her people like put together like the worst fucking story and and I feel like it you know, it, it tur- maybe it turned people off to me. I think people that th- that think that I'm like this horrible fucking ruthless bitch that just made fun of this girl or encouraged people to threaten. It's just fucking crazy. Cause yeah. it's like, I don't have time for that. It's like, I'm no, I'm just, I make fun of lots You're of people. Comedy. I do a, yeah. I do like a really good Michelle Wolf impression. It's like, we're all public Can I features. Hear your Michelle Wolf impression? Hi guys. I'm so excited to be here in Brooklyn. Well, I haven't done that in a while. Like, <laughs> did you notice my nice sneakers? <laughs> I have so many pairs. <laughs> she has like an interesting, great hair though. Great way to say say terrible, annoying voice. Interesting voice. <laughs> no, like I'll get a laugh from random people. Like, oh, you remind me of Michelle Wolf. I think because people just don't have a lot of frame of references you for female. Do comics. not sound like Michelle Wolf. Oh, I will thank just say this, you. Whatever that means. Um, so wet spot. I want to hear about wet spot. So wet spot. Yeah. You sort of start aligning yourself with porn. Porn. Porn Actors? stars, I think, because I was just like, I would watch a lot of like Stern show, and I would watch a lot of like, yeah, The View, or like love. I loved listening to Loveline as a kid, so I was like, there's just something cool about that, and um, and I was just if you can get a porn star who has like a great personality and a good sense of humor and doesn't I take themselves too seriously, it's a fucking jackpot because like. Everyone's curious about them, and there's in like the Venn diagram of the porn industry and the comedy industry. There's so many things that we have in common. Like the so porn true. stars that are at the top of their game, the ones I was interviewing at AVN, they're like extremely they're, they're eloquent, they're entrepreneurs, they have their shit together. It's For like sure. they're smart. They like they run their whole. They're like a one man band, just mm-hmm. like a comic is. It's like we have to be our own fucking marketing did you, team. Did you host the AVNs? Were you the? No, I was like there doing interviews, and I like was walking around the red carpet, like just like doing weird interviews and shit. Like they were counter protest. They were actually they were protesters. Like there was a red carpet, at, like all the uh, like you know, it's like basically like everybody's invited it seems yeah. you know if you've ever done porn once you, you just show up i guess <laughs> it's like like but there's also like maitland ward and uh like angela white and like the big big stars riley reed um abella danger and like they're just like oh they just go to the same dunga donuts as you and we're like oh shit and i'm not, i would like i've gotten more into watching porn since doing this show interesting 
Yeah, I was kind of like, I think I was like a prude about it in the very sure. beginning. I'd watch it, I'd like critique the background. I'd be like, oh, this couch is terrible, you this know? This storyline makes no sense. But the more I watch, the more you find the stuff that you really like. And it's even cooler when it's like, oh, I know these two girls. <laughs> and look at them eating each other's buttholes. Like, they're the nicest girls. Like, she's from, she lives in Vegas. Ah, I love that girl. You now, know? let me ask you this, because I, I used to be friends. I, I was good friends with a porn star named Rachel Starr. Okay. I don't know if you know who she is. I know her. She's, she's now like probably 33 which is like milf in porn yeah. world now she's like oh yeah she plays like the um but she's also an entrepreneur she's she's very self-made she's very eloquent she reads a lot she's very cool um and i've always and she was she always talked about how she's gonna get out of porn in a few years and this was i've known her for 10 years and she's still in it so i have very mixed feelings about sex work because obviously mm-hmm. it's a necessary thing yeah. um but sometimes i bristle a little bit when people talk about how honorable sex work is and how it's mm-hmm. like I'm a sex worker and I'm proud I'm kind of like well, are you like is that really the end game to be a sex worker or is it a means to something else right. do you I, feel that way because you go okay well there's no way you can do this you know well, probably in 30 I've, years I feel this way for, for a, a few reasons one is there's the triangle between strip clubs escorting and porn mm-hmm. and there's a lot of rotation between the three. And I think once you start talking about escorting, you're talking about prostitution, which, again, an, another necessary thing in the world, I believe. Um, but prostitution lends itself to trafficking and underage trafficking. You can't say that they're not, there's not a conflation of prostitution with underage trafficking because there yeah, just I is. Yeah, I mean, it's all in the same thing. So I kind of feel, and I, I've also known a lot of sex workers. I've had roommates that were uh, strippers and sex workers who um, viewed their relationships with men in a very transactional way, hmm. which I felt was like if they're really enlightened, they're not doing it. That hmm. may sound really reductionist and kind of shitty, but do you ever Why feel... Why do you think that way? I guess I feel like if you're... I guess I just don't know. I, I think it's a necessary thing, and I think that it can be healing for some people maybe to go to strip clubs and have a prostitute, um, but... I feel at the end of the day, like that's not where they want to be really like that's, do you ever feel when you're working with these people or interviewing these people that you kind of go, wow, you're an interesting, smart, amazing woman. Is this it for you? Is there something else? Is there another path that you can express yourself? Cause it's almost like when you say that, like you're, it's hard because how do you not put a judgment? Like we're all human beings. It sounds like you're a little bit putting a judgment on it. I think most of them, most of them are like, cause think about it. If like, you're a hot woman. It's so fucking easy. It's so easy to like sell your fucking people are trying to buy my socks, you know, off Instagram and like, you buy know, buy socks. Yeah, there's a guy who's been like he always hits me up, "Oh, you got to wear a socks for 2 weeks. I'll buy them for you." And then I'm like, "Okay, well then send Why me not? money." And then he never does. He just wants to talk <laughs> to me about these socks that I'm not wearing. "Oh, send me a picture." I'm like, "I'm busy. I don't have time for this," you know, yeah. like Yeah. Um it's but it's just so easy. You're like a hot woman, you just like um, you know, to do the OnlyFans, you can get you can get so much money for doing like relatively little, and for shit that through my twenties I was doing like for free anyway. So it's yeah. like I I get it. If I could like go back and be in my twenties, it's like 
I kind of would so much rather I can see doing that rather than like slogging behind a desk, being a receptionist, making no money of course, of with course. no dignity. Like everyone's treating you like shit. It's like you might as well just like blow a couple dudes and like you know make seven hundred bucks. You know. I get that. I was a go-go dancer when I was in graduate. Really? School. Yeah, I was a go-go dancer. I was a go-go dancer in New York and like limelight. Did you get to keep the outfits? Mm-hmm. No. No, nothing fancy. It was like literally either like like baggy jeans. Okay. Because this is why I was in school in like the late nineties. Or like, um, or like a th- yeah, a thong. Every, I can't imagine like what you were, what kind of dancing you were doing. Was you like on, in a fish on, tank on, or something? No, on, sometimes in a cage, <laughs> but like on boxes. Okay, it wasn't like Magic Mike with the troop or whatever. But like, you uh, just dressed up as a FedEx but man one time and on a box. I was, I was, <laughs> I was wearing a diaper. Ooh. And I was on stage at a place called Webster Hall in New York. Oh yeah, Webster Hall. And I looked over, and there was at the other block, and there was like a little person. Let's just say midget, a midget in a diaper, and I remember I was talking with a, a female dancer. I was like, you know, I just feel like they're exploiting this midget. And you're like, well, what do you think they're this doing with you? This midget is getting work. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're being exploited in the same way the midget's being exploited. This Ooh. is back when I had apps, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. So uh, maybe I'm a little bit hypocritical, and maybe there's just a part of me, maybe because I have a daughter, and so I think about like, Aww. oh, was it mean that like? Yeah, no, it's like you're thinking a lot. I I get it because like. I think a lot of them are like, a lot of them know they can't do this forever. And a lot of them are like, I think even more insecure about, I think, I think I'm insecure about my looks being a comic or just like having low self-esteem, but it's like a lot of porn, porn stars, I would say generally are very, even more insecure about their looks and like, but then you get to the ones at the high level and they know that they're the shit and they're like all like boss babes, whatever. Yeah. So it really runs the gamut. I think they know that their time is limited on like making their money off of them being hot. So a lot of them move towards directing and like writing and like, you know, yeah, maybe they are getting on more podcasts. Maybe they're like, oh, Danny, Danny Daniels, who starts her own podcast yeah. that does really well. Or you, they write a book. But it was amazing to me. Like, they always kind of like, the smart ones have a plan, you know? And, like, I met a couple that, like, used to be fucking homeless. And now they're, like, probably making a million dollars, you know? Oh, like, wow. do, yeah, this this woman named Karma RX. She's, uh-huh. like, she was, like, one of the poster girls this year for AVN. And uh, she's like a lot of tattoos, like kind of like a you know edgy look. And I was I was amazed to me that she was like it was crazy to hear like she used to be fucking homeless and she was like, you know, talking about like meth and stuff. And I was like, wow, I'm like look and at now you she's now. Doing really well, because yeah. I know that like and I when I've talked to Rachel about this and we had a falling out, which is you know that's another story. But like, um, there's a huge problem with drug addiction and suicide in the porn community. It was a year where like three of them. Like killed themselves. Yeah. Like one or one year, one or two years. It was like. Rough. What, do you yeah. think that is about the nature of sex work, or do you think that it's the nature of the way people treat sex workers? I think it's a combination of everything. I think it's like if you have the, if everything lines up where you go into sex work, it's. You know, we're just talking about the mean person or the median person. I forget. God, statistics was so long ago. But it's like, the average girl doing porn, probably deals. Maybe she, you know, deals with addiction. Maybe she has daddy issues. Maybe she has family issues. Maybe she has low self-esteem. Maybe it's just like, you know, emotional issues. It's more likely that that's going to line up, I think, mm-hmm. with somebody in porn. Sure. Um, yeah. I so think, when, you, uh, when, you're, when you're interviewing them and, and for your show, do you feel like this show, in terms of its sort of mandate, do you feel like it's helping bring awareness to these issues or to humanizing people that people may look as objects more do you have like i a think idea so i it? think like porn stars get like 
like a rough break. Like a lot of them are like shadow banned. Like this is one girl, like a lot of them have Instagram feeds where it's just them on vacation or them like, like in PG pictures, but they get fucking banned because of just who they are. It doesn't even matter what they post anymore. And a lot of them, like they're, you could get fucked with on Venmo or PayPal or whatever. Like their bank accounts will be shut down. They'll try to open an account and banks will just like not let them have an account, not have wow. to let them have a business account. It's wild. Like how much shit they get. And it's, it's so crazy. Cause at the same time, it's like, we're never going to stop. Like if, if you think this is wrong or immoral, like you will never stop this industry. Like of course sex will always sell, you know, just like even, even like the dirty, horrible shit. Like it's, it's always going to be going on somewhere. So it's like, I understand like, okay, let the girls like profit off of it. And like, you know, I would hope, I would hope like the girls that are doing it are not doing it to their own detriment. And mm-hmm. cause I get it. I was like a, a sneeze away from doing sex work myself. Like I was really in between jobs and like, yeah, I was like talking, I was like, again, these things off Craigslist where I like needed to make rent like yeah. the next week. And I almost like worked for this like private like loft fucking like orgy thing you know it was like oh it's gonna be like a thousand dollars a shift and like i met with this guy and i was like really like i was like i guess i'm gonna fucking do this and then i had a couple just i was like you know i'd like cry in the shower and then it, <laughs> it actually didn't come through quick enough so i had to fucking get a temp job at nyu and then there was like another instance where i was gonna like i think like maybe blow these three dudes or whatever like this guy again like loft in the city and I was going to make like $800 or something for a night doing whatever. And then I just like, Skyped with yeah. the guy. And I was like, I'm like, this looks like somebody my dad would be fucking friends with. And then, <laughs> you know, we started talking and I go into like trying to make you laugh mode. And then yeah. he was like, how about you take off your shirt? And I was like, Phew. I was like, yeah, I can't do this. Uh, I didn't say it. I'm like, but he's just so fucking gross. Like everything about it was like, oh, like no part of this guy do I like. Yeah. So this is like, I'm officially just doing this for money. If felt so fucking wrong and i was like yeah i'm sorry i really can't do it so that it seems like the, the way to go because the stuff first of all if you ever jerked off to porn you ever thought about it like you can't condemn it obviously right so uh it seems like the way to go is just to make it a, a safer healthier environment for people so it's not so stigmatized i guess yeah or so that women feel more empowered because i know that there's a long t- history of porn where women have just been treated like like garbage you know i think so yeah and then now it's like you can be your own business like your own company that like you have so much freedom like you can have just with only fans like alone like you yeah, what people is only make fans their again? home I have- it's like um it's like a place where you can put up like pictures and video and you can talk to your fans like the way i fucking talk to my fans for free on twitter i guess that's something you can charge for on only fans i was like yeah. damn i should get on this because it's like <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to like all these tweets but i am because i think it's <laughs> the right thing to do it's like yeah, yeah, i'm yeah. gonna write people back that say good job tonight yeah um and then there's premium snapchat which like it goes oh, away yeah. but you can be like real dirty and like that people pay you know by the per month like they, you know, it's like a little. You sell, you can sell these little subscriptions of yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, what, it's what, interesting. What would you say that you've learned from, um, from you've been doing this wet spot for a year now? God, it'll be a year in July. So it's year like in July. It's new. Yeah, it's really new. So what would you say that you've learned the most? Because this is a pretty, it's a pretty strong statement. Just even the the name of the show, wet spot. <laughs> yeah, right? a lot of people don't like it. Like the first time, I love it. I it's first great. and only time I met Milo Yiannopoulos, he was he tapes, he rents Compound to do his show, and it's like, oh, it's like, whoa, he's like a, you know, anytime you meet like a famous person or a person <laughs> who's hyped, you're like, oh gosh, and and like, he was just so funny because he's whether you like love him or hate him, he's a 
presence. Like yes. his personality takes up a whole building. Like yeah. and and he's so you know. I always felt like gays have a special power over me. And he was just like, he's like, oh, whatever you're wearing is dreadful. Like, I don't know how it came up, but he immediately ragged on my outfit. And I was like, you're right. It is terrible. I was like, I'm Chrissy. Like, my show's The West Side. He's like, that's an awful name. You're going to be turning people off. Like, he just immediately shat on the name of the show. He's like, you're going to turn off the very people you're trying to entice. Like, women don't like it. They feel threatened by it. And men think you're a gross whore. And I was like, I was like, well, I already have the cards printed. So I can't, I can't, the logo's made. I'm sorry, Milo. You know, like, <laughs> well, what did the what did the title come from? Where was it? I thought from? I just thought of it. I yeah. was like, oh, the wet, wet spot. spot. And I was like running it. A spot is a place to hang out. Yeah, wet spot means a good time was had. You know. Yeah. It's always a sign of like, yeah, some one or two people or more came. That's that's a <laughs> that's what a nice thing. Yeah. And uh, I thought of it, and I like said to my boyfriend, I was like, no, I can't name it that. He's like, no, you should. That's a good, good name. Him, and I was yeah. like, wow, all right, I guess I'm doing this. Yeah. And then I started, like, so what have I learned? I learned a lot about, like, producing a show. Like, I, I really want the show to feel like how Howard Stern felt uh, before he sold out and got really famous. <laughs> I like nice. Yeah. I like, ugh, like, oh, living Hillary Clinton. Oh, no, great. Really got to watch this. Um, I like the, I like having fun segments. It's like, it's like really worked my, like, producing skills and, it's exciting. It's way more exciting. Like the first time I did the pilot of that show, it felt like I was fucking jumping off a cliff. Like the wow. back of my legs were sweating. It's just like, cause you need to be able to like run that whole show by yourself yeah. and also be prepared if all your guests bail. Like, can you float this thing just on you? Oh, so you've had, you've had episodes where it's just you. Like, no, I mean like the most, I mean like I'll book three guests and some, the most that ever bailed were like twice in one show. So I was still left with the one guest, but, yeah. um, but, you know, in case, like, a couple of your guests are duds, and you got to be able to, like, keep it going. And just, I think I've my interview skills have improved so much, and I think yeah. that's what catalyzed me to, like, oh, that's when I started doing my other podcast. So it's called, like, the Chrissy Mayer Podcast and all. Like, that. those are just one-on-one -on -one interviews mm -hmm. with people who, like, I find, like, interesting and want, like, because, you know, Wet Spot is, like, it's fluffy, it's fun, it's advice, it's, like, a lot of bits, it's segments, it's, like, we get we take callers, um, we have like super fans like call in. Have you had any calls that you're like, Jesus Christ? Oh God, yes, just one the other day. I had um, Mark DeMeo on, who was a retired uh, NYPD yeah. detective, and some guy called. He's like, he was trying to discern, like, oh, is first degree rape like not so bad? And like, and Mark Ooh. was like, yeah, dude, any kind of rape is bad. Like, there's no uh, good kind of rape charge. <laughs> like, it was very sketchy. You could tell he got, he just like bailed on his question really quick and hung up. And I was like, woo. Let's not take any more calls. Um, yeah, and then I have like this super fan named Michael who, like, he's like, um, do you squirt? Like, he's like a little bit on the spectrum. So, but sweet kid, you know. <laughs> do you feel that you can be completely open and honest about everything sexually in this, or is there stuff that you hold back? Because you're like, I don't want. I hold back a little bit when it comes to like my relationship with my boyfriend. Sure. However, if somebody asked me a direct question, like I would give a direct answer. Like, how big's your boyfriend's dick? Would you feel comfortable saying? It's like, like that? a mouth and a and a hand. Like I've never measured it with a ruler, <laughs> but it's like it's definitely like bigger. You know, you got to go mouth. Sometimes it's mouth, hand, hand. Sometimes it's mouth, hand. Sometimes it's, like, it's just your mouth. You know, every girl <laughs> who's listening knows that exactly what I'm talking so about funny so the the, the the increments are 
mouth, mouth hand, and mouth hand hand. Oh yeah. Mouth hand hand seems like a mouth lot. hand hand is like you can't settle down with that guy though. I mean that's <laughs> gonna be you have to go to the emergency room. You know, <laughs> you can't have something that like if it's too big you can't like just drop down on it. Like you gotta know how you know how much you're working with and uh-huh. if you can hurt your injure yourself on this person. <laughs> too big is not good. Yes. Don't let porn sway you. I mean like. Well, that Smaller was and the, thicker is better. That was one of the things, because I was friends with Rachel Starr, and she said, you know, I don't like big dicks. I was like, hey, what's up, Rachel? They're now? a nuisance. But she's like, I don't <laughs> like big dicks. And she goes, I, I, as a matter of fact, I don't like to, I have, because at at she was a best newcomer, and she's like, I can choose what I want, and she likes guys with like average to, you know. Do you know that you can have a known list? You, have, yeah, you can she submit a list. list of people that you don't want to work with ever, which is cool. And I was really cool. happy, and then I didn't talk to her for a few years, and a few years later, I saw like some... Some notification like Rachel Starr does double porn with like two of the biggest dicks in fucking porn. I was like, oh, like, nice knowing you. Yeah, I guess she kind of ha- ER. caved in. They gave her enough money. I ended up asking her about that. I was like, I saw this. She goes, I got fifteen grand for the yeah. For I the think porn. interracial and I think anal gets paid a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy that the interracial is still like a taboo thing now. Porn is so behind in terms of like, uh, like. I guess like I don't wokeness, you know, like they're so, they're like ten years behind the rest of us. Like, yeah, so, yeah. So many things are still like ooh ethnic, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. That's that. Well, that makes a lot of sense too. Um, yeah. So what what's the plan for uh, for Wet Spot? Is there is there do you look at it as a potential TV thing? I know you have videos, but is there is there more that you want to do with it that you look forward to? Yeah, I'm excited for the spring and warm weather and having more like remote segments, like maybe like man on the street stuff, like yeah. having fun. Because we're on like 35th Street, which is like it's like fashion district. Uh-huh. It's like there's a lot of fucking characters, a lot of people like, you know, cracked out. You know, I, I think there could be a lot of fun. Have like, you been doing man on the street stuff yet? Not yet, because it's been cold and like I didn't oh, like last right. summer was our first summer. So uh, I just thinking more about like what fun segments to do because we did one called the King of Porn on Monday where we like put the two super fans against each other because they both are like obsessed with porn. So uh-huh. we like it was like all this porn trivia and they were fucking neck and neck like they yeah. were at at each other's throats. Like what is porn trivia like? Who oh is like the who, best how mo- many um how many movies has Ron Jeremy been in? What year did Deep Throat come out? Uh, what was the most searched category on Pornhub for twenty? 19 and like these guys knew like almost all the answers like, it was, was wild amateur oh really yeah. why do you think that is um, I have a theory about that because it's like uh, like like milk I don't know it's just like it's not, not that it's bland but it's like that's gonna that's not gonna really like um, turn off anybody like huh it's kind of like oh, it's like girls who are, aren't right quote slots they're amateurs so like they're younger they're like Maybe it's more like innocent and more. I mean, like I can understand amateur being searched more than like fucking double gilf anal. Do you know what I mean? Like or like oh, like fucking a, you know, a dog. I don't know. That's gross. <laughs> but like yeah, that's a little bit more palatable for the average bear, I think, or someone who's newer into watching porn than like oh, like triple, you know, filling my. I saw a thing where the girl got fucked inside of a cage. And her, the guy filled her whole butthole with lube, and she, then she squirted it out. And then I'm, you're seeing things where, like, people are like, oh, some guy comes into a girl's mouth, and she's blowing bubbles with it. I was like, that is next level. I was like, oh, my God. And she's, like, spitting it into somebody, some else's girl's mouth. I was like, this is arts and crafts. Like, this is, <laughs> she's really getting creative with that. So 
amateur porn is like people want to go back to a simpler time. Sweet, sweetness. Yeah, I think yeah. it's like a remi- maybe it reminds you of like when you first started fooling around with um, you know guys and girls, and you're just like, oh yeah, this is uh, it's like sweet, and uh, maybe people feel less dirty watching amateur porn because they're not sense. they're not like pros, right? They're not like oh like doing all the maybe tricks. there's something more authentic about it in their in their mind or something like that. Yeah. Also, lesbian porn is like most googled or most searched category for women. Can I tell you something? So this is the this is like and I told some of this and they're like, you're full of shit. Whenever I'm on Pornhub and it's not a lot, guys, but <laughs> whenever I'm on it, I always want to like I need to see a, f- a f- woman coming. Right. So like female orgasm, like uh, I will type it authentic. Fem- I told she's like full shit. And I like look at my go- it was all like real orgasm. Then squirting, real, you know, because do you like watching squirting? Do you do you like watching like a woman come like what her like? like vagina vulva look like when she's coming or is it more like their face like you want to see it's like more like the sound body and the face and like a reaction uh because i just because i feel like a lot of porn that i probably came up with watching was a lot of fake a lot of people faking it right and i was yeah. like i don't want to see people even now it. it's like sometimes it's hard to know i mean yeah. that's how you know it's good right if you can't tell i guess so right so um, I think that was that was something that I really was interested in, but um, and I think maybe amateur porn, there's less of the fakey stuff going on, maybe, and that's what people kind of maybe that's why they maybe. want maybe yeah maybe it seems more like authentic. It's like maybe it's less of a show because it's like if you're amateur, you're really like. But I the don't reason, know. but the reason I brought that up is because when I type it in, nine out of ten of the videos are women masturbating with toys. Hmm. So if you want like a female orgasm on Pornhub, it's going to be women alone masturbating. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a I real- have this joke where I'm like, oh, I don't use my vibrator all that much. Like, I just use it when I want to come, you know? Like, no, <laughs> yeah, not that much. But that seems to be, that, that was crazy because I was like, oh, I guess a lot of it's women just, just so aren't easy. really yeah. having orgasms with men on porn. They don't need to. Um, yeah. It takes like, because it takes, takes work. Like, your guy needs to like put in the effort. And like, uh, like some women can't come at all from penetration. Like, some. I've never been able to make my cum, myself come like with my hands. You know what I mean? Like I, I can only get there with a toy or if I'm on top. Yeah. So it's like some people are like limited in what they can. And in, in a perfect world, they'd be like, oh, I gotta, I'm gonna stay in this weekend and try to get myself off of my own hands. You know what I mean? I'm gonna make a project <laughs> out of it. And then you're like, the fucking sh- other shit comes up, and you can't, you can't spend all weekend just yeah. masturbating. And I have so. this Hitachi wand right here. What do I need? Yeah. Oh, it's nothing better than that. I mean, it's like, oh, you want to go home in this fucking Porsche? <laughs> or you want to like take the scooter? You're like, I'm gonna take the Porsche. You know? Yeah, yeah. Is there a product you would recommend? The Hitachi Magic Wand for sure. Oh, like, wow, I have an old one and I have a new one that a fan got me for my birthday, and I'm waiting for the old one to die. Old Bessie, <laughs> he's, she sounds like a fucking old boat leaving the dock. Like, it's like the handle gets hot. Like, it's probably about to explode and like fucking burst my cooch into a million flames. But like, I can't throw out something that still works. So I'm just like waiting for it's her like to die. It's like having an old car. You don't want yeah, to. Yeah, I'm probably it gonna bury it in the yard or something. Thing. like I'll, i don't know yeah frame it well that's awesome listen i know you have a spot coming up so we, we got to get you out of here but is there anything that um anything else you want to like kind of talk about or plug in terms of yes um yeah check out my podcast it's called the chrissy mayor podcast it's on like spotify youtube soundcloud um should be on itunes pretty soon and then like yeah the wet spot on compound media like if you like 
non-PC comedy, I guess. If you just like like laughing at inappropriate shit, like, yeah, subscribe to Compound Media. You'll probably like a lot of the shows on there. Um, if you liked Opie and Anthony from the 90s, like you'll love, yeah. you know, the Anthony Cumia show, blah, blah, blah. I think I have a code still. I think it's Mayor 20 for 20% off. Um, and then other than that, I have like, this big spring headlining tour coming up. That's great. It's your first headlining tour? Yeah, yeah. Starting with actually like Sunday, I'm at the Moroccan Lounge here in LA. Is that your first headlining gig at the Moroccan Lounge? Not first headlining gig, but like tour where tour I have that. this many headlining dates like yeah, in a row. Amazing. Yeah, it's really exciting. And so like, yeah, a lot of dates through uh, April and May and March, mostly East Coast. Um, and you have people go to your Instagram or your website? Or yeah, go to my website, ChrissyMayer.com. And then I'm like constantly posting on like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. So just follow me like on all things yeah. Chrissy Mayer. And as you can tell, she is really, really funny. You made me authentically laugh oh the whole God. time. So you, you are great. I really look forward to seeing when you, what's going to come up for you. Thanks, I'm Bill. really excited. You're going to be like the female Howard Stern. I can't wait. Ooh. Except before he sold out. Except with a much cuter nose. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Thank you so much Thanks, for coming Bill. out. Have yeah, a great well, show. next time you're in New York, for sure, like, I have to get you on. I would love it. Thank yeah. you so much. All right, have a good night. Bye.